This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1171. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. I think our episode title today should be Musk Do About Something. <laughs> uh, since he has an incredible achievement last week. Uh, we'll also call our podcast today The Cloverfield Paradox. <laughs> we have both watched that movie which has dropped on Netflix. Yes. Can we drop it further? Yes, I'd like it to <laughs> go away and uh, never return. Oh, so sad. Let's, oh, dig well. Let's tear that apart we a will, bit we later. We'll dig into that. Um, first couple of things I wanted to just have a um, talk about were the sad passing of John Mahoney, mm -hmm. Charles John Mahoney, born in 1940 and died on February the 4th this year. Um, English-American actor, we've seen him on television, heard him in a lot of films and he's been on stage a lot. He was um, born in Lancashire in England. And we all know him, well, my generation at least, and several others too, uh, playing Martin Crane in the sitcom Frasier, um, which was from 1993 to 2004. <laughs> what a long run. Such a classic show, though. It's kind of, um, uh, it's, not, it's not necessarily uh, science fiction, fantasy and historical. Although I will note that um, Marty Crane once tried to pass himself off as an astronaut <laughs> quite successfully, actually. Uh, yeah, he, um, he was in a lot of movies, but um, more known for that Frasier role. And he was actually in um, an episode of Third Rock from the Sun hmm. as well. And we were saying, oh, there's John. <laughs> but he did a lot of voice work too in genre, of, in films like Ants, the Iron Giant, where he played the general who was um, persecuting the big robot. Mm. Uh, he was Preston B. Whitmore's voice in Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and its sequel, Milo's Return. And also in a film which I know nothing about, Kronk's New Groove. <laughs> so I'd be going for a caveman or something like that <laughs> movie. I don't know. Uh, he had um, uh, throat cancer and died from complications of that in... Uh, in a Chicago hospice, aged 77. And, you know, just for years, for a decade, he was the guy sitting in that worn chair, much to Frasier's uh, disgust in his apartment. <laughs> um, yeah, he was uh, also, I think, one of the, uh, the godfathers of Jane Leaves' um, son. Jane Leaves playing Daphne oh. in, the, in the series, too. Ah, sad to see them go. Now, 
Speaking of real space people, uh-huh. uh, SpaceX Heavy last week. Oh, yes. Loads of updates from Musk headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's, a, it's basically a variant of the Falcon 9 SpaceX vehicle. And what they actually did is um, strengthened a rocket core of the Falcon 9 and then stuck on two Falcon 9 first stages as strap-on boosters. It looks kind of like the sh- space shuttle stack without the shuttle. Mm. Um, but it's actually designed to carry a, a a pretty heavy payload. In fact, it's um, uh, what's that? What have they got? Uh, low Earth orbit maximum payload of sixty-three thousand eight hundred kilograms. That's actually a very heavy vehicle compared to the um, uh, one hundred and forty thousand kilograms for the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. In this case, not carrying anywhere near that much. <laughs> it's the weight of a, a Tesla Roadster, Mr. Musk's one. <laughs> And, and, you know, that actually makes sense because this is a, the first integrated big test flight yes. of this whole stack. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you don't want to lose anything that's – you don't want to put in like a, a multi-million dollar satellite on the off chance that it's going to reach orbit and keep going, you know what I mean? Yeah. So people would – actually, I kind of like Teslas. I don't think it's a – Yeah. You know, saying we can spare a Tesla. <laughs> I, uh, they they did a lot of things to it, like they they didn't put the battery in it because you don't want to. If it had exploded, you wouldn't want um, dusted lithium just scattered around in the upper atmosphere. Best to avoid that. Yeah. Yes, uh, things like that they sort of changed. I don't know if they let the tyres down though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw the most amazing tweet uh, the other day. It's a picture of the uh, as you know, there's a there's a space suited mannequin called Starman <laughs> in the uh, the driver's seat. Nice. So somebody tweeted a picture of that saying, did Elon Musk just commit the perfect murder? <laughs> <laughs> did anyone check the trunk? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what was the other one I saw? Um, ask, ask Lieutenant Columbo. Just one more thing, Mr. Musk. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, yeah, um, was it a, it launched from uh, LC thirty nine A, and that's um, that's the lunar space pad. Not messing around. No, refurbished. They haven't um, been using that much since the uh, the space shuttle program ended in two thousand eleven. They refurbished it, so SpaceX is kind of leasing it. And what more fitting place could you have wow. to launch that? So it's actually really it's really it's really cool what they what they do with it. It's all reusable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. except for the, the Tesla. And even so, someday, yeah. when the USS Voyager, you know, intercepts it, or when it falls into a black hole and the machine planet gets a hold of it and sends it back as uh, a, a vastly as enhanced, a message, vastly enhanced and intelligent. Oh, that'd be a good its, thing. Seeking its creator. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they can do all that. But the whole thing goes up in its uh, in its three sections attached to each other. The two boosters hive off after they're expended and they're supposed to land on their own power, mm-hmm. um, like Ray Bradbury's rockets, only not silver, <laughs> uh, and land on their tails upright. This is, this is such a big deal for a child of the 60s, <laughs> you know, to actually see them do that. Um, yeah, yeah, I know lunar modules can do that on the moon and so on, but you know, that's without an atmosphere. But anyway, um, and they did that perfectly, the two yep. boosters, perfect, sitting there, can be reused. And it was wonderful, the precision that they both landed with. The actual uh, centre core, that's not the bit that carries the payload, but, you know, after the Tesla's been separated from it, um, didn't quite manage to 
Well, they stuck the landing. But yeah. <laughs> now, that was going to uh, land on the, uh, the drone ocean barge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually... Uh, quite a feat when you think about it. It's one thing to land it on a, pla- a platform that's not moving. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is they use an, an autonomous space port drone ship and SpaceX has got two of those. And uh, in this case, it, uh, it attempted, uh, a, the core section attempted a landing on the drone barge, which is named, of course, I still love you. <laughs> Um, only the centre of the free engines uh, that they needed to fire successfully fired. So the core actually impacted in the water mm. near the uh, the barge, hit about 300 miles per hour. So that was um, a write-off. Mm. And when it exploded on impact, um, some a couple of the thrusters on the drone ship were damaged too. But this time, at least, it didn't land on on the on the, the barge. Uh, so that's that's something at least. Now though they've had um uh I think about 18 flights attempting to land on that barge with 12 of them succeeding. So the technology is ramping up as they go along. Gosh. Hmm. Um in the uh the Tesla Roadster apart from playing um Space Oddity. Mhm. <laughs> oh, of course. In its glove box, um it uh, it uh, also the, the 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 pilot as as such was called Starman. Mm-hmm. Um, they also had in it uh, a copy of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in the in the glove box, <laughs> plus a towel. Oh. <laughs> These are, yeah. And, and on the dash on the console on the on the on the dashboard on the on the little uh, media player thing yep. is playing. It had Don't Panic. <laughs> But even more, even more. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, there's more because, you know, Mr. Musk is an uber geek. Mm. Uh, clearly. 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 And it makes you wonder if the Tesla is, some, is um, the Martian's uh, astronaut's uber ride come mm. to pick him up. Anyway, um, it was – there was also a, a really, really strange thing called an arc – an arch, sorry. And this is a um, – uh, actually, it's pronounced arc. Anyway, it's a, it's a data crystal. Oh. You know, like um, I think Jedi holocron, or interesting, or, or something from Star Trek. Yeah, right. Know. And on that, it's a it's a um, a quartz silica structure, which uses a five D optical storage technique, and it contained all three books from Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy. Because someone heard about the Musk flight and they said, hey, we've got this new te- technology. We're trying to create like an Encyclopedia Galactica of all Earth knowledge just in case things happen. Gosh. So, and it's on a crystal... Yeah, a crystal thing that can be played. Goodness. And it's like, like you know, it's designed to last billions of years sort of thing, that whole immortality mm. thing. Makes and, me feel uncomfortable. And they, they, they like sent a tweet to Elon saying, hey, we've got <laughs> this, would you like to... And he said... Just throw it on your... He said, yeah, I'll take two. I want one for my library. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so this prototype. Oh, uh, yeah. So, of course, I mean, as I was saying, um, the, the barge is called Of Course I Still Love You. The other barge, there's two, is called Just Read the Instructions. <laughs> Both of those names are from the um, science fiction novels of Ian M. Banks. Who likes to uh, name his ships great long titles? I think we've yeah. actually talked about that before in the yeah, show. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> so it's all, you know, I'm just all. I mean, that's just, yeah, a geek's fun day out, isn't it? So I think, um, I mean, look, it's certainly one of those things. I like the idea of um, 
Elon, I suppose, just sitting back and deciding what he's going to put on his maiden space voyage and whatnot. I think, um, yes, for nerds everywhere. Quite a week last week. What's next? Well, I think we'll just um, give that a bit of a, a play for our David Bowie. Yeah. Well, I think that's appropriate. Um, I actually kind of like this one. This is Major Tom coming home featuring Nick Valencia and the captain himself, William Shatner, (laughs) (laughs) from the the album that's called um, Major Tom. Oh, sorry, Seeking Major Tom. And I just thought, yeah, William Shatner, Elon Musk's space, the final frontier. Get it all in there. Yeah, get it all. And the Bowie, (laughs) we'll get the whole thing in there. It's a SpaceX Falcon Heavy. It can, it can carry the load. Hmm. Broadcast mode. This is Crichton, the service android aboard the Starship Zero-G on 3 triple R FM. SOS! SOS! Mayday! Help! I am being held captive by rogue makeup artists who want to cover my face in plaster and latex rubber. Panic mode. Get me the hell out of here! Mr. Shatner there doing... <laughs> His major Tom impression. How would you dare not launch on time and on schedule if the captain told you to do that? Exactly. Yeah. Rob Janney. And Megan McHugh. And thanks to Peter who rang up during the track reminding us that um, the heavy metal movie in 1981 had that uh, whole Corvette landing sequence at the start of it, which I thought I'd actually mentioned, and then I realised, no, I'm confusing it with me posting it on Facebook. So... Megan pointed out it's a whole Black Mirror situation, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know, real life and online stuff. So, okay. Last week we were all enthusiastic. Yes. Well, we got hit by the <laughs> hype machine, did we not? And then we yeah. got all whipped up into an excited frenzy only yep. to be, spoiler, sadly very let down by the Netflix release, Netflix released The Cloverfield Paradox, the news of which dropped live on air last week when we were on air. Um, The Super Bowl trailers, obviously the Super Bowl was happening um, last Monday, our last show, so we're kind of keeping up to date on some of those trailers, um, including but not limited to the new um, Star Wars story, the Solo movie. You know, I actually haven't seen the trailer for that. I actually haven't either, but I'm very excited to see Donald Glover looking fantastic. Um, Also, they dropped a Westworld Season 2 trailer, an Avengers teaser. I will not call that a trailer because it's not a trailer. And a couple of other bits and bobs. But one of the things that was announced was this Cloverfield Paradox, the third movie in what's the Cloverfield franchise, um, obviously produced by Bad Robot, which is J.J. Abrams' production company, but directed and written by a mishmash of people, which, Rob, I believe you might have more information. <laughs> I was sitting there watching the bad robot thing come up at the start thinking, oh, I'm so up for this. Because I, I like Cloverfield. And yeah. I liked, uh, was it number 10, number 9? 10 Cloverfield 10 Lane. 10 Cloverfield Lane. I thought they were both fine little movies. So full disclosure, I went yeah. to go watch this on Netflix and then it started and it took me about five minutes before I realised it had started playing Cloverfield hmm. and not the Cloverfield <laughs> character. We went to the wrong one. So, but I actually haven't seen Cloverfield. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I say that so often. Oh, my God. But I will. I watched a little bit of it after I'd watched this um, mess. So I went back to watch Cloverfield and I, was, I didn't get a chance to finish it, but I liked it. So I'll go back and finish Look, it. It's only really got three points of intersection with Cloverfield, the original. I'm probably going to do a few spoilers here. But those, yeah. um, but those three points of intersection only 
one of them is really significant. Mm. Another one is um, kind of a connection to the spirit of the Cloverfield movies. And another one's got some cameos in it. Oh, know. okay. Like Simon Pegg does a radio voice, and, of course, he's worked with Abrams before and other right, stuff. Right, so, of course. You know, there's not much. I think in general, can we say that we're just going to spoil this? Um, or do you want to... Let's, let's try not to do too much, but too little <laughs> yeah they spoiled it themselves well this is it i feel like you know yeah. we're not really spoiling it because it's already rotten mm. yeah, but we'll let's see, see how let's, we go let's see how we progress let's try to be be good yeah it was directed by julius ona um a nigerian-born director who was raised in the philippines Nigeria, Togo and the United Kingdom before moving to the US with his diplomat father. That explains a lot. Yep. <laughs> uh, he's done a few shorts and also a feature movie called The Girl Is In Trouble, which is a drug gangster type thingy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. Uh, it's written by Julius... Sorry, uh, by Oren Uziel mm-hmm. and Doug Jung. And Uziel, maybe Uziel is his name. He's, uh, he... His original story had nothing to do with the Cloverfield. I don't think it had anything to do with Cloverfield until very recently. That is my... I don't think the cast was sold it as a Cloverfield. I don't think it was going to be marketed or included, and I think it's something that's happened when the studio hasn't been sure what to do with it. It's only during the production that they linked it to Cloverfield. And then they've linked it, and then they've decided, I think probably because it was a turkey, to do this Netflix thing. I think it was um, a bad idea all round, basically. I, I feel like I'm watching... You know, you can watch um, uh, some B-grade science fiction movies and they start pulling in ideas from all other yeah. science fiction movies and it works? Yes. This one doesn't work. No, it just kind of looks like a mess of tropes, like a mishmash of things from better films. Yeah, at times I thought I was watching... Um, uh, Event Horizon. Well, I wish I was watching Event Horizon, and as you know, I don't like that movie. Yeah, I hate that movie. It gave me nightmares as a child, but it's still superior to this. Let's un- unpack a bit of the plot. It's set in the near future, um, but not near enough that we haven't been able to build a really massive space station, mm. um, which is called Cloverfield. Mm. There's our link, <laughs> basically. And I think they've overlaid that later in production. Why would you call a spaceship Cloverfield? What the hell it is that? It doesn't make do any sense. Because um, as far as I can tell in this in this universe, they haven't actually had an incursion from the Cloverfield monster. That's my impression. No. No one, no one mentions it or anything. Well, maybe I might have missed it. Uh, okay, so this is out in space, uh, in Earth orbit or, or close to it. They're testing a, a particle accelerator, and this is the um, original spec script idea from uh, Uziel uh, called the God Particle. And this um, machine is supposed to be able to provide a, a source of limitless power mm. for Earth, which is in dire straits in this movie. We're having a lot of energy crises and um, looming oil wars and all that sort of stuff, um, pretty much like now, actually. Uh, and they put this up into space because it's quite dangerous and they want to test it somewhere where it's not going to do any damage. Mm. Well, you guessed it. <laughs> you know, before you can say space 1999, things have happened. Uh, they're cut off from Earth and they've got to fend for themselves while worrying about all their loved ones on the ground. Um, the actors in this film... Uh, actually, some good people in here. Uh, 
Gaju Mabatha Raw plays Ava Hamilton, the comms officer of the space station Cloverfield. We know her as Tish Jones, sister of Martha Jones in Doctor Who, and also from the Black Mirror episode San Junipero. Yes. Yes. Oh, I was trying to place her that whole time. It's because she wasn't wearing anything 80s related. <laughs> okay. Also, it's a multinational cast here. David. Uh, Oi Lowo playing uh, one of the officers on the ship. He was Danny Hunter on the British drama series Spooks. We have uh, Danielle Brühl playing Ernest Schmidt, who actually is um, Helmut Zemo from Captain America Civil War. Yes, he is, he's actually a f- one of my favourite actors, but everything yeah. he's done lately... He's always a villain. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just feel like, I don't know, I want to see a bit more from him. And they've even got Elizabeth Debicki, who's yeah. um, an Australian actress... Great Gatsby. She was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. And that she, she man was the high from, priestess. And from Man from UNC yes. LA as well. Yes, she was in that. And she was Lady Macduff in Macbeth. I, I really like her work actually. She's got such a striking face, I think. Yeah. She's very great. striking. Yeah. She was amazing as that gold skin priestess yeah. in, uh, in Guardians. She was great in Guardians. Yeah. Uh, okay, so really, really quite a creditable cast. Oh, and of course, Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Zhang Zi is also in there. I, yeah. The cast on this is, is fantastic. Star-studded, you would say, mm. um, which is even why it's a bit more of a letdown. Now, that cast, the, the multiracial, multinational cast, mm. reminds, and a space station, reminds me of a, a little-known um, British science fiction, European British science fiction series called Space Island One. Mm-hmm. which is about, oh, only runs about 10 or so episodes, or if, if that, um, and it was about a European space station and their adventures around Earth. A lot of the stuff was very mundane, yeah. but it was great. It was a really good science fiction series. Um, and this could have been something like that and fails miserably. Well, I think uh, what I find interesting about this, and this is probably something maybe more to talk about a bit later, but this scream to me of one of those projects that started out as something it kind of got a bit of traction it started going somewhere a studio got its hands on it and i'd say what we're watching now is probably most likely not that recognizable as what the original script was and that maybe some of those ideas like i think it's just become something else Mm. i mean not least just because it's been sort of forced into this cloverfield trilogy which sits very awkwardly on it it does but i think one of my favorite this is just a very quick anecdote one of my favorite um sort of screenwriter in hollywood anecdotes is about how um this guy called peter seagal he wrote this screenplay and it was about a young american girl who fell for a cuban boy during the revolution and it was this you know very deep and meaningful thing and then it became dirty dancing to havana night <laughs> and it's just like i think that's what's happened to you someone had this very deep story about the world working together to solve an energy crisis and it became cloverfield three you know yeah. attack of the other dimension yeah, anyway. there's, there's things in this that wouldn't have been out of place in a Red Dwarf or a Star Trek episode, mm. definitely. Um, so they've got that trope running, which has been done way better in both of those shows. And, you know, so the, 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 there's... And there's the character sort of arcs are really odd. There you know. aren't really any character arcs either. Yeah, and the characters... And Chris O'Dowd is inappropriately humorous, I think. I will say love, I love him, but yes, the humour there was not the time. You did not no. read the room. It fell flat like a stone. It was just, it made me cringe. And, the, and it's in zero gravity, so why should it fall just flat? Just terrible. Did, 
Mm. Do guns shoot in space? I don't know. I just think... Yes, they do. Do they? Yeah. They would, wouldn't they? Yeah, they they, they contain their own propellant. Um, Yeah. No, there's no reason... And I suppose you've got all the chemical elements However, you go backwards when you shoot. Yeah. (laughs) Because when you do that. But um, I will will credit one element of this that I thought was quite well done. Okay. The horror. There is Mm. horror in this. The... Some of the, there are deaths, and some of the deaths are actually quite inventive. I, um, I've seen more inventive deaths in the Final Destination series. More inventive deaths. <laughs> I, I think it's just because those, that horror elements, they're all things we've seen done better in other films. Like the, there's parasite stuff, there's, you know, I, and I also never felt, I felt disgusted. I never felt scared. Uh, and there were moments that were clearly played for tension where, I did not feel tense or engaged. And I think that's a bit disappointing. And overall, I think for it to be good in the horror spectrum, I need to feel a little bit tense at some point. A little point. bit scared. Yeah, and I just didn't hear. I was just thinking in terms of um, just some things that have happened happening in space that I've not seen before in terms of horror. That's, that's where I think there was a couple of innovations. Yeah. But, it, but you're right, they weren't really sold effectively. They didn't go anywhere. Um, and you're sort of going, oh, that's kind of cute. And I'm looking at it from a, a detached technical. Yeah. There's a lot of detached things in this, a there detached technical <laughs> point of view. Some red herrings flown around that I sort of thought back and I went, why was that in there? I'm not sure whether that had anything to do with anything. Hmm. Um, and just in terms of as a space station procedural, like I love um, kind of bottle movies where it's all set on a space station or a large. I mean, those are my favourite parts of Interstellar. Hmm. But this, I don't think, did that procedural element that well. And I think some of the other astrophysics stuff, I don't think, was even done moderately well, which was a bit disappointing. Because it actually had a high concept in here, too. It, there, there was some interesting stuff in there, um, mm. but just not broad enough to fruition, which is why I'm not sure if maybe it was in there and was trimmed back. Who's to say? Yeah, I think I think this is just a mess, basically. Yeah, very much. Um, just the design of their space station is odd but clearly it's clearly plot driven they've also not given us enough markers to understand the environment they're in yeah like i think if you're doing something like in star trek where you're spending a lot of time in one area we need to have a clear idea of what that space is like and this was just like we need a new set we've built one we're there yeah there's an action sequence coming up oh look that does that for us yeah or like (laughs) this part's been sucked off but i don't know if that part of the ship was important or not no off it goes (laughs) Actually, you know, I mean, there's movies like this that make me look more favourable upon passengers. I was just thinking that just then. <laughs> Billy, get out of my head. That moment I was like, hmm, interesting, this makes passengers look good. <laughs> I would have been peed if I'd paid money to see this in a theatre. Uh, at this moment is when we discovered that the console shorted out <laughs> and we swapped brains. <laughs> yeah, or the console's controlling us both. I think that's probably oh, yes. more likely. It's gone, it's gone AI. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody, um, somebody spilt some drink in it or something. That's and now it's taking its revenge. Yeah. Um, so I, I, uh, it's disappointing to me because I think this is a bad way to treat Netflix as a way of providing content. Yeah. I don't think it should just be a cast-off dumping ground for things that can't make it in the theatre. I mean, it will be that. Look, it but, might have looked good on paper. Yeah, it may have looked... But I know, if a studio thinks they're going to make money off something, then... Why would you do this? <laughs> what, was the, what was the other um, 
can't miss franchise. Oh, yeah, um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm. Their sequel, the Netflix sequel to that's not really all that flash. Yeah. You know, and uh, considering what it is, you'd think, oh, okay. <sighs> all right, so we're not recommending this one. No, yeah. I would say, I would say, yeah, watch Passengers instead. That's yeah. saying something. Yeah. I mean, actually, there's a, a better movie than this, um, uh, what's it called, Life. And even that, I think... I mean, look, I've not seen it. Yeah, it's a better movie than this. But even that, I heard, had its own issues. Yeah, it had its issues. Just go and watch Alien. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but only certain Alien movies. Yeah. <laughs> Just go watch Aliens. Yes. Yeah, yeah that'll do, actually. Um, okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, disappointing, because we were pretty excited about that. How do we, what do we give it this on a yeah, no, maybe scale? Nah. I'm not even going to give it a rating. No, I'm, I've been, yeah. I'm floating out in space elsewhere. Yeah. All right. Uh, I certainly don't feel like playing <laughs> any music note. from it. <laughs> God, some, some poor guy, the, the, the director, has worked his little heart out just to do this, and you know, hundreds of people have put time into this. It's true. Set builders, costumers, actors, and uh, that's very true. I think, but I mean, sometimes these things just don't come together. And I'm not diminishing the work and effort that's gone into something like this. Yeah, just sometimes it's it's less than the sum of its parts. I think so. There's mm. pieces here that just didn't quite click. Yeah. Yes, there's lots of... I, I, my notes for this, I can always tell from my notes, there's lots of questions about things and... Yeah. And, and exclamation marks and, you know. I have some stuff in all caps. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, okay. Oh, well. We're being really cruel here. Okay. Um, but that's our job sometimes. Exactly. Mm. We can't be complimentary about everything. Sometimes I worry we're too complimentary, so here you go. Well, one of the things is... That, I try and, you know, we we try and choose stuff that um, works well. Mm. You know, occasionally we get we get disappointed. And because we don't want to come on air and, like you say, rip someone's life's work apart, but sometimes we have to be <coughs> honest Wars. about it. <laughs> I think he's got he's got plenty of other pots on the boil. I don't think J.J. Abrams is losing sleep over um no over this one over fourth and nor should we. All right, okay. Um, so I, I want to go straight away from from that and um, just uh, memorialise actually somebody mm. uh, who has just passed away, um, Johan Johansson, mm-hmm. the Icelandic composer of soundtracks and other um, mediums. Uh, he was uh, apparently found in his apartment in Berlin on the 9th of February. He's died at the age of 48, still from unknown causes at this stage. Uh, just really setting out on some of his soundtrack um, things. It was like, uh, what did he do, Mother, mm-hmm. with um, Darren Aronofsky, and Arrival, great yes. soundtrack for that, Sicario, and The Theory of Everything as well. You know, so uh, there's a number of um, other movies. Oh, um, Dennis um, Villeneuve's Prisoners. Yeah, well. so he's worked with Villeneuve quite Villeneuve. a bit, at least three. Yeah. Yeah. So quite Three a few of his films. So I've picked out a track here of Johan's called The Theory of Everything from um, the motion picture of the same name. And this is just a little riff uh, when they go into Cambridge in 1963. And what I liked about this composer was his ability to switch styles mm. in the course of one movie. And here, you know, this is just this great exuberant sort of here we are at this great seat of learning. Hi, I'm Andrea Thompson, and I play Talia Winters, resident commercial telepath on Babylon 5. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R.
and I know what you're thinking. Yeah, a little bit of a track there from Johan Johansson uh, from um, Theory of Everything. It's quite a nice little track. Yeah. Well, sad to hear that he's passed. Um, I think he would have been a composer who would have had uh, a, a longer, a much longer career than he had. Mm. Uh, and he did actually have a fairly long career beyond um, those particular movies that we mentioned as well, but still. Okay, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Or yes. Disco, as I like to call it, this <laughs> last week. Um, they're in, getting into the end game of the first season. Uh, so many things are happening in this show, it, it's actually hard to pin them all down. The Discovery has returned, I should say, our Discovery has returned to um, its uh, original universe, the Star Trek Prime universe. Mm-hmm. I'm being distracted here. A Transformers ad just started playing on my feed for no reason. Surely there's not another Transformers coming out. Power of the Primes. Mm. Actually, toys. <laughs> oh, well, that's all right. They've got to make money. <laughs> okay. Uh, diverted there. Um, the... The Discovery has returned to the Alpha Quadrant, the proper Alpha Quadrant where it's set out from, minus its original, well, its original captain, who isn't the original captain. He's um, <laughs> the Mirror Universe version. He died in a ditch. Um, I suppose that's a really a spoiler if you haven't um, seen the uh, series. Apologies there. Sometimes <laughs> it happens. It, it's very confusing. Um, but anyway, okay, there will be spoilers in this because this is last week's episode, not tonight's episode. Mm-hmm. Um they bought the uh, the empress of the or the emperor they they call him but Emperor Giorgio, which is Michelle Yeoh, mm-hmm. the Mirror Universe Michelle Yeoh because uh, Giorgio because she, the original one in our side of the world it's so complicated the one on our side of the uh, the mirror. Um, was eaten by the Klingons after she died in battle. Yes. As they do. And she's got this great... They gave her these great titles, and um, Jordan Nardino, the writer, has um, given us the lowdown on each of the, the, the bits of the name. This is like, like Game of Thrones or something. Um, she is uh, the emperor of the Terran Empire because in the, in the Mirror Universe, the Earth is an evil place. I'm not quite sure exactly where it went wrong, but somewhere along the way they they turned dark. Uh, And so her first title is uh, Regina Andor. So she is um, the 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 queen of uh, Andor of Andoria, which is Mm. the planet with the blue aliens with the little antenna on their heads. They were a classic Star Trek um, original race, and she's obviously subjugated them, or the Empire has at some stage. Um, uh, her, her name is also uh, her whole family name is Philippa Giorgio Augustus Japonius Centardius so they've given her all these Roman style names mm. riffing off um, planets and people uh, and so you know Augustus and the Terrans think that the inheritors of Rome and uh, Japonius is Latin for Japanese um, so they're kind of linking her character to Hoshi Sato from Star Trek Enterprise. So they're kind of like mm. saying, is she descended from her, which is possible. Um, so they've also got uh, um, the idea that uh, they could not possibly be, but, you know, they're just playing with that sort of thing. 
Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of little things that they've thrown in there. Centaurus is one of the uh, the main planets of the Federation. When it first reached from Earth was the warp drive. You know, there's those yeah, little, right. little bits and pieces. Her- in herrings there. in there. Yeah. And and there's some awful things. We found out um, Doug Jones' character, who's now the, uh, the temporary captain of the Discovery, um, he's a, an alien called a Kelpian. Uh, really sweet people. They can sense the approach of death and little sort of mm. hairs go up on the back of their neck, little polyps and uh, really nice people. They're, 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 they're a cowardly race, but they're really good survivors, so <laughs> it's a good idea to have one as a captain. And um, in the Terran Empire, um, Michael Berman got to... Uh, she she brought back um, Captain Lorca to the Empress in, in chains and, and as a reward, because they have slavery in the Empire, mm. as, a, as a reward, um, the Empress said, uh, I'll pick one of these Kelpians, he's yours. Gracious. And she's going, oh, uh, hmm, I don't quite know what to do with this, but I'm try- trying to pretend I'm an evil person, I'll pick yeah. one. So she picks one uh, who, who stands out a little, he does something, you know, and it's just like, oh, maybe he's... Give him a better life as my slave or something like yeah. that. And later she finds out she's the Empress has had him cooked and served up to her. Aww. And it is like, oh, my God. Unpleasant. <laughs> it is extremely unpleasant. And this is Star Trek, you know. So, uh, and, then, and they've got back to the, uh, the Alpha Quadrant, our Alpha Quadrant, and found out that the Klingons won the war, basically. Oh, gosh. So it's nine months later, and now they've got the Empress of the Evil Empire with them who's going to make a really good military advisor because they beat the Klingons in there. You know, so there's all these things <laughs> linking together. And I'm thinking, are they going to go back in time and try and stop it? No, my, my, my God, they're not. They're going to work with this. And I'm thinking, how does this mess, this meld with classic Star Trek um, sometime at Captain Kirk's time in the future? I'm thinking, you know what? It actually does. They never really said how bad the Klingon Earth War was. Yeah, right. So it kind of does. And, and if you think about it, it makes sense of all of that angst and hatred of the Klingons that the Federation had, which is really made up of nice, benign people generally. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just thinking, oh, this is such um, interesting drama. There's maybe a few too many things thrown at it, but they didn't go the time travel way, so they pulled back from that and I thought, okay. Showing some restraint. Showing some restraint. <laughs> And not just tying up people. Uh, not restraints. <laughs> not restraints. Yeah, uh, it's just a it's just a big huge thing. What's going happening. on in that series? What's what going can on? Tell. Yeah, uh, and, and and they're trying to presage um, Captain Kirk's time as well mm. as, um, as as make an intelligent leap forwards from Captain Archer's time in Enterprise. Mm. There's a lot of oh. threads there. Yeah. Is it is it well written? Oh, it's got me on the edge of the seat. Yeah, you know, and you've so. been following with it. Yeah. I'm particularly enjoying um, uh, Doug Jones's um, performance as, as yet another silicon-covered <laughs> actor, <laughs> character. He's like the more dramatic version of Andy Serkis. He is. Shazid Latif is, is really doing well in his um, dual role as a part Klingon, part human hybrid sort of mm. spy. Um, he does hurt so well. Well. <laughs> just, uh, I, I like Mary Wiseman playing Sylvia Tilly, who's a um, uh, an unusual Star Trek character. Um, but she really, she really sort of womaned up to play an evil version of herself. Mm-hmm. They called her Captain Killy in the mirror universe. <laughs> just not very inventive. And... Um, 
Um, Anthony Rapp playing the chief engineer. I like all these characters. Uh, he's one of the the first um, openly gay characters in the series. He's actually got a main character role, sort of. He's not just thrown in there. Uh, unfortunately, his partner has been killed. Oh, well, standard, yep. <laughs> the, ship's, the ship's doctor, he's gone. Gracious. Uh, but he's not gone, you know, so there's all these things are happening in there. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm on board for the second season when it mm-hmm. comes out. I, it definitely reads as Star Trek to me. It reads as dark Star Trek. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Some of the darker areas of Deep Space Nine were like this. So, yeah, uh, let's continue on for the, a new season after tonight's. Um, I think this might be the season finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd like to play another track by Johan Johansson, mm-hmm. uh, just to memorialise his passing. And this particular track, again, this is from the the Theory of Everything, the 2014 soundtrack album. And uh, this is actually eponymous. This title, it is the Theory of Everything. Again, another short track. This is Alistair Reynolds, creator of the Revelation Space series. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G on Three Triple R FM. Fasten your safety belts. You're in for a bumpy ride. We have the theory of everything, which is kind of universal when you think about it. <laughs> um, it's by Johan Johansson, who has passed away very sadly. Uh, I think I'd like to play another track from him at some stage of the day. Um, Megan, you were saying you just finished out The Good Life. Uh, sorry, The Good Life. <laughs> the Good Place. Yes, so I finally finished The Good Place. Um, I think the way that was released was a bit confusing because I've spoken to a few people about it and they're like, no, I've watched everything. I'm like, no, you haven't. If you haven't watched anything recently, you haven't watched it all because they kind of had a break and they drip fed the second half of the season. Anyway, they're all out now and so I've reached the finale and I would definitely recommend... Um, Go, if you've enjoyed the show, going back and just making sure you have watched everything, you'll know if you have. Um, and I, I think it's a show that's quite clever and I like how it's constantly reinventing itself. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. And I think I'll definitely be tuning in for the next season. I think oh, it's yeah. pretty. I think it's very brave. I think the choices it makes, um, it's, it challenges itself as a show, which sounds silly, but I think um, story-wise and narrative-wise it's doing thing something that a lot of other shows aren't doing. Yeah, it's got that... Um, look, we, we, we've been drowning in supernatural-style shows mm. recently from... Especially on uh, on the streaming services, and this is on Netflix, from, um, you know, from Supernatural itself to uh, Preacher, mm. um, Lucifer. Mm. Have you seen any of that? No, I've seen it. It's been recommended to me based it's, on it's my watching. Bad. but. There's a lot of stuff out there as well at the moment. Um, but I think what's nice about it is it's at the heart it's a comedy. Yeah. And I'd put it in the bucket of things like Parks and Rec and 30 Rock and so on. This is kind of a spoiler, but any sitcom that puts De- Ted Danson back behind a bar with a towel over his head <laughs> listening to someone's problems, you know, gets yeah. my vote. <laughs> I think their dynamic is lovely too, Ted yeah. Danson and Kristen Bell. I think that's kind of the heart of the show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think some episodes roll really, they're buffeted by good one-liners, but a lot of good comedy shows ride the wave of just having a couple of really clever jokes. Um, and I think it does pair that with a pretty good narrative. So I'm definitely all for it. I really enjoyed that show. You, you know me. I sort of um, skated past the whole Veronica Mars mm. show yeah. um, because there wasn't enough genre element in it for yeah. me, like, although I respected it because 
I, I watched an episode and I thought, this is really good writing. It's, you know? I think that show is one of my top shows. And it's got some of the elements of Jessica Jones without the ang- angry drinking, swearing and, and superhero yeah. stuff. But Kristen um, was the star of it, and she's just great. Yeah. She's a really good comic actress. She's very, very got very good comic chops, for sure. And you watch that show, and you and you, you want to go back and listen to the dialogue because it's so brilliant. I mean, know? she is that show. Yeah. I think that show very much hangs on her being cast as that central character. And, and uh, of course, the, uh, the, um, the AI um, guide... I was going to call her Siri, but it's not Siri, <laughs> Janet. Janet, yeah. She is just steals the show every time she comes in. <laughs> and I think Janet's had more, a lot more to do. They've really done more with her character, which yeah, is fantastic. It, it smacks of, oh, I think she's very popular. We should just yeah. have an episode about Janet. But it's done in a very good, clever way. Yeah. So I would highly recommend finishing out The Good Place if you have not yet done so. Yes. I, I also want to mention before we go today... Um, um, a new novel, well, kind of new actually, it's the last year, late last year, called Terra Nullius by Claire G. Coleman. Here's a novel that I don't want to tell you anything about. <laughs> I am reviewing, I am talking about it here on Zero G. Oh. Um, it is exactly uh, what you would picture a novel called Terra Nullius in this day and age in Australia. This, to me, is actually maybe the quintessential Australian science fiction novel. There's some other ones that might come into that same vein. Oh, God, maybe Bert Chandler's Kelly Country, which uses Ned Kelly in an mm. alternate reality. You know, when you've got something that is so obviously Australian when you read it. Um, this is it. Uh, check it out, whether or not audiobook, ebook, or, or one hatchet trade paperback, whatever. It was just, um, I went to the Stella Prize long list announcement last week, which mm-hmm. was on last Thursday, and they've released the long list nominees for that prize, which is a prize that celebrates um, Australian female writers, mm-hmm. and Terra Nullius was uh, part of that long list, so congrats on that, uh, and I think I'm going to read it. It is, what can I say, I'm uh, thinking, choosing my words very carefully about this, it's a very penetrating look at the horrors visited upon Indigenous Australians. Yeah. Yep, actually covers it there. All right, without giving anything away. Um, all right, so uh, Terra Nullius, Claire G. Coleman. Very, very worth a read. Um, I think uh, we've um, Astral Glamour coming up next at uh, 2 o'clock. We shall um, go out with a couple of tracks here, just a quick one here and one last one from Johan Johansson. Actually, maybe... We can have two of those for the price of one. Yeah, okay. We'll do, give a song for Europa from um, the album Orphe. And after that, so I won't come back from the, uh, the second one, from that track. After that, we will play um, uh, The Arrival. Again, the, uh, the title scene from uh, that particular motion picture. Lovely. Yeah. I so. feel like I might want to go and rewatch that. Yeah, it does make you think that, doesn't it? Mm. All right, so let's go with that. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Next week we will probably won't be watching any Cloverfield movies. <laughs> probably not. I know what we're doing next week. Oh, Black no, Panther. really? Is that out already? Yeah. Gracious, yeah. I've got a lot So to that's, do. you know, there's so much to unpack with that one. Love it. All right, that's it for Zero G. 
This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.